Welcome to Tentpole Trauma, the podcast where we look at movies that came with hype and high hopes, but left with crushing disappointment, either critically, at the box office, or both. Freed from the weight of expectations, we seek to examine these underperformers under a new light, parsing through the good, the bad, and everything in between with the hopes of gaining a better understanding as to why they failed to find their audience. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie that we're discussing today, I suggest you stop the podcast and go watch it. Then when you come back and listen, you'll get more out of the discussion. On this episode, we discuss Jaws, The Revenge. Sebastian and I am here with Jennifer. Hello. And Troy. Hello. And we are here to talk about Jaws the Revenge. It's summertime, so we're getting into some summertime content with everyone's favorite murderous great white shark, Jaws. The Jaws franchise is something that most people are familiar with. Uh, I am very familiar with it. My first Jaws film was actually Jaws 2, which I saw in the theater, and I loved it. And then I think um, the original Jaws was shown again in theaters, I think in around 1978 or so. So I did end up seeing it in the theater, but Jaws 2 was actually my first love as far as Jaws goes. I saw Jaws 3D, the 3D version, in the theater when it came out in the early 80s. But I never saw Jaws for the Revenge. Now, Jennifer, you are a Jaws fan. What is your history with the Jaws franchise? Well, I am a huge Jaws fan. And I think, as you and I discussed recently, it is my favorite franchise. It's true. Yes. Uh, we've come to the conclusion that that is 100% true, that Jaws is my favorite franchise. And um, I don't remember actually if I saw Jaws or Jaws 2 first, but it was definitely at home um, on the TV was when I had seen both of those. I tended to like Jaws 2 more just because of the kids and because you get right into it. I also saw Jaws 3, 3D in the theater. And I did see Jaws for the revenge in the theater. That's right. Having a summertime birthday, that was the movie I went to see, um, I think, for my around my birthday. Um, I, I remember my sister-in-law, Kay, took me to go see Jaws The Revenge. Because you had specifically requested that. Absolutely, I had. I, yeah, no, I loved, uh, I, I loved seeing Jaws 3, 3D. I remember also shortly after seeing that uh, in the theater, it was, we had a class field trip to SeaWorld, 
And I did not want to go into the shark encounter because <laughs> of Jaws 3. Um, it was I was literally like, no, no. And then I think I like ran through it because it's the shark encounter there. And this is I don't know. I haven't been there since you know the 80s. But it was just kind of like a, a uh, what is it, like a movie, a people mover or um, yeah. that, that just like a tram. a tram type thing. It's flat and you just go through and it's like glass all around you. And there's just sharks swimming all around you. And I think I literally like ran through the tram <laughs> like yep i'm going through i'm out so anyway yes yay jaws you'll take this franchise over like friday the 13th or nightmare Bef- nightmare you'll take over any of those other franchises i actually will because i and there's only four technically yeah technically there's it's only hardly f- a franchise i mean it is a franchise but, but it is a franchise and yeah. i like every single film that's how we determine this. That's how we, we scientifically determine it. determine it that she actually <laughs> likes all of the Jawses. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. It's because, of course, no, I love the I love the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, and Nose is great too. But I can't say that I like every single film in those franchises. Not even like there's some that I just outright I'm like, no, I just I'm not going to revisit those. Right. You'll take this over the Psycho franchise too. Yes. Yes. Wow. We've scientifically tested this, Troy. We did not come to this conclusion lightly. I get it. No, we had to talk about it. We we thought we thought we had looked at Texas Chainsaw also. We looked at that. Uh-huh. And no, it's just consistent consistency, consistent liking of the Jaws's. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that you like every single one of the movies in this franchise. All four of them. Troy, what's your history with the Jaws franchise? Jaws was a big deal because we had these friends that had cable family friends. And I think they, they also had like a laser disc player or something. So we would see Jaws over at their house. So I saw Jaws first and uh, I, I was pretty young. And then Jaws 2, I actually loved. And it was really important to me because it was the first film that I recorded on cassette nice. tape. Wow. <laughs> if, if you're unfamiliar with that, it was a practice pre uh home uh where you could actually record stuff on home video yep because there weren't like double you had you needed to have two vcrs essentially to make copies of anything yeah no one had that back in the day no and i think there was even copy protection even early back then too so i think we rented it jaws 2 from video or it was on tv i can't remember but i would hold up my little cassette tape player recorder and i only had enough space on there just to record all the shark attack scenes (laughs) so i had a cassette tape with jaws 2 of just all the shark attack of all the kids screaming (laughs) each scene and i would listen i listened to it over and over again i loved that tape and so that's how i would be able to relive my jaws 2 adventures i wish i had that tape because it would have been such a comfort tape in the background right now but then Jaws 3, I can't remember where I saw Jaws 3, but I was not a fan. And it just looked so bad. I mean, even for 80s standards, that thing just looked so terrible. I didn't see it in 3D, so it looked even worse um, on home video. And then, honestly, I never, I think by the time Jaws 4 came out, I had already kind of lost my appetite. No pun intended. <laughs> You mean pun intended. <laughs> yes, you do. But yeah, Jaws, Jaws 4, I didn't watch until 
probably like 10 years ago. Again, I think it's another one of those movies that you made me watch, Sebastian. <laughs> when you were going through your orca, like, you know, trying to go through all your, your marine life uh, revenge movies. I am a man of the sea. <laughs> I do love horror movies set on the sea. I like all sorts of aquatic beasts attacking people on boats. It's something I really enjoy. And yeah, as an addendum to my Jaws history... I am a huge fan of this movie that probably not a whole lot of people remember, but uh, it's called Orca, and it is about a killer whale who is attacked by fishermen, or, or their mate is attacked and killed by fishermen, and the killer whale goes on a revenge mission against the fishermen and his his people. The Fisherman's played by Richard Harris, and Bo Derek is in it. If you've never seen it, highly recommend this movie. I love it. I still love it. Interestingly enough, Quentin Tarantino recently has been going on a book tour promoting his novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and they keep asking him this question, what is your favorite novelization? And he brings up the novelization to Orca, specifically <laughs> as one of the best movie adaptation novelizations. So I haven't actually read that one. I'm dying to get my hands on it. As a connoisseur of novelizations, which I know you are. I actually have a collection of them. I really enjoy them. Yep. And so, yeah, I, I want to get my hands on the novelization from Orca because apparently it's really well written and like <laughs> it's kind of like a masterpiece that nobody knows about. Um, <laughs> but this movie has an interesting novelization that we will get into later because it's got some. Jaws 4? Uh-huh. Yep. It's got a weird wow. novelization that has details in it that is not in the movie. That actually does sound pretty good because there's a lot that is not in the movie that it's trying to yes. say that is in the movie but it's not i think a lot of your questions may be answered yeah. by things in the novelization i think troy's got his next book lined up i know <laughs> but that actually does sound pretty good yeah so just you know quickly I, I you know obviously i think jaws the original is a masterpiece we just watched it recently around 4th of July, like mm -hmm. a lot of people do. There's not much to say about it. It's an amazing film, one of the best films of all time, probably. And like Jen, I have a huge affection for Jaws 2. I can concede that it is not a better movie than Jaws. However, I'll probably throw on Jaws 2 more often than Jaws just because it can be watched very casually and enjoyed on a very basic slasher movie type of level. Whereas Jaws, you have to watch it and you have to just really get absorbed by it in the characters and everything. Whereas Jaws 2, you can just throw on and not really pay attention to it and still have a good time. But it is clearly an inferior film. So you, like you said, slasher, it's definitely a monster movie slasher movie yes like it's it's actually one of the the first type of slasher movies yeah you could argue say. that that and halloween are really the two the same, prototypes yeah. you know italian giallos are the real prototypes but they were the ones to really sort of solidify the formula but to have the teenagers that are getting yeah. picked off like yeah. that is jaws 2 yes and jaws 3d I even recognized as being garbage when I saw it in the theater. However, I did enjoy it for its base pleasures at the time with the silly 3D gimmicks and stuff. I do feel that if I'm really sort of 
being serious about the franchise, Jaws 3D does sort of feel illegitimate. It feels like a movie that was never intended to be a Jaws, but they just slapped Jaws on it and changed some character names just to tie it into Jaws, where it it honestly doesn't feel like it belongs in the franchise. Which I thought it it was. I thought it was that, but apparently it wasn't. They, it, they always meant that to be Jaws 3, right? Because it felt like a different movie. And then like exactly like you said, I thought, oh, they just kind of put Jaws on this and tried to squeeze it into the franchise. It was directed by the cinematographer of the original Jaws, which is shocking because it looks terrible. I think it was the production designer. Oh, production designer. Okay. Yeah. Joe Alves. Yeah. And that's the only movie he directed. Yeah. <laughs> but it was written by Richard Matheson. Mm-hmm. Right. And though I would I would argue that it's kind of an awesome concept. Well, the concept, though, is ripped off directly from Revenge of the Creature, the sequel to The Creature from yeah. the Black Lagoon. Yeah. It's exactly the same movie, just with Jaws instead of well, The Creature. And they don't make Jaws wear pants like they did <laughs> to, to, the, to The Creature. That's actually in The Creature Walks Among Us, not Revenge. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Okay. Oh, okay. Oops, that's right. Wait. I thought The Creature Walks Among Us is the uh, sea world. No, that's Revenge of the Creature. Yeah, I got it confused too. Oh, creature okay. Walks Among Us. He's walking among us, so he's yeah. like wearing pants. Pants. <laughs> you can't walk among us if you're not wearing pants. Sorry to get all off track, but it's the Revenge of the Creature that they have it, yeah. in captivity. Yes. Okay. Exactly the same thing. SeaWorld yeah. in Florida. Yeah. It's even like the same location. Is it? I don't know. Or it's like Marine Land or something. It's like Miami. In Jaws 3, do they actually call it SeaWorld? No, no. But it's SeaWorld. But no, I think the place in in Revenge of the Creature, sorry not to go down the rabbit hole, but I think it takes place in Miami or something. It's okay. not It's not in um, Orlando. But I remember, yeah, because the, they have the, the bathing beauty, swimming and all of that at the... At the, with the revenge of the creature with having him in captivity yes i remember i just got confused with the pants that's later okay, <laughs> okay so jaws 3 yes is a ripoff of revenge of the creature yes but that still doesn't make it not awesome well it's got some amazing sequences with the shark attacking this theme park yeah i feel it delivers on that promise Yep. In a really awesomely cheesy 80s way. And it's got like Leah Thompson in yep. one of her first roles and she's super cute. Yep. It's got tons of water skiers in it. Mm-hmm. Water skiers. It's got uh, Dennis Quaid. And, and Bess Armstrong, who's super cute too. Yeah. Yes. If you're looking for a cheesy good time, Jaws 3 is pretty enjoyable and lou gossett jr is like the head yeah. of the park he's so 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 great and yeah if you're looking for two dolphins named cindy and sandy <laughs> to high five at the end of a film that's right spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best and probably the most ridiculous looking 3d camera work yeah yeah and like severed limbs sort of yeah. floating i love it in the front of the screen which in 2d looks really dumb there's a lot to recommend honestly about jaws 3 so there's a there is a reason why jaws 3 is not on your podcast because people 
went out to see it. Yes. It was at the height of the th- early 80s 3D, 3D revival. 3D revival. I would say it was probably the film to benefit from it the most, other than yeah. maybe Friday the 13th Part 3 3D. I think the, the only 3D movie I got a chance to see during the, the height of that period was Metal Storm. Nice. Ooh. That was the only one I made it That's a good see. one. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't get to see that. I like Metal Storm. The destruction of Jared Sin. Sorry, I need to say Yeah, you have time. to say the whole thing. You can't just say Metal Storm. Metal Storm. The destruction of Jared Sin. No one's going to know who that is, what it is, if you don't <laughs> say the destruction of Jared Sin. I agree. I hear all your points regarding both of you, regarding um, Jaws 3D. I hear you. I still love it. And I also, I think I did realize, and I think I've told you this, Sebastian, when I did see Jaws of Revenge, I knew it wasn't good. Like while I was watching it, like as a, you know, a kid, it was like that moment where you're kind of like, this isn't so great. No, but this is actually good because I want, I want you to push this movie on me. You don't, don't tell me why this is a good movie, but tell me why you love it. Tell me why it's a great movie. (laughs) Now, my experience with Jaws Revenge, as I said earlier, I did not see this in the theater. I remember it coming out and I remember seeing like print ads for it where the poster was Lorraine Gary's character holding a harpoon. That's right. And the, the shark coming out of the water. And I was like, you got to be friggin' kidding me. <laughs> and so I didn't see it in the theater. And then... It got played a lot on HBO and I would catch parts of it and I was like, oh my God, this looks terrible. So that was my experience with Jaws 4 and I don't think I ever sat down to watch the whole movie until way later, like from beginning to end. I would just catch bits and pieces of it and be like, oof, (laughs) it looks as bad as I thought it was. When it came out, the same family that was these, you know, We'd been watching Jaws movies along the way. They were making jokes about it, uh, about her. They were calling her like Grambo (laughs) because of that poster. So immediately, like, that's what I was hearing about Jaws the Revenge already. Yeah. So are we ready to get into Jaws the Revenge? Yeah, let's do it. So what you need to know as far as the setup goes is the main character of Jaws the Revenge is Ellen Brody, the widow of Chief Martin Brody, who was the main character in Jaws and Jaws 2, as played by Roy Scheider. Now, Lorraine Gary only really made it into the Jaws franchise to begin with because she was married to one of the producers, I think Sid Sheinberg or something. Right. And he forced Steven Spielberg to put her in Jaws. Spielberg has been very cool about it and is like, no, she was really great. I wanted her in there. That may be spin, maybe not. However, in her her defense, I think she does fine as Ellen Brody in Jaws and Jaws 2 because her role is kind of limited, but she does a fine I job. I love her character yeah. in both of yeah, them. Yeah, she's great. She's great in those movies. So even though she nepotism got her there, she does a fine job in those two movies. But now, because Roy Scheider wanted nothing to do with this, <laughs> she is put front and center as the hero of the franchise, as his widow. And this movie definitely is one of the first sequels to ignore previous installments. That would become a thing 
going forward, you could argue like Friday the 13th maybe ignored some installments or whatever, but this was like the first sequel that was ever like, no, 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 that last one didn't happen. And that is apparently why they didn't even call it Jaws 4. They called it Jaws the Revenge because they wanted people to think this was really the third Jaws movie. So now we've got Lorraine Gary in front and center. The backstory is that Chief Brody has died in the interim between movies of a heart attack, which she puts on the shark for whatever reason. <laughs> because of stress. It was because of stress due to the shark is what she said. No, fear. Specifically, fear killed him. Fear of the shark. That's right. That's, I think her literal dialogue. Yes. That's right. That's film. right. That's right. It was fear that killed him. So Ellen Brody is still living for whatever reason in the seaside town of Amity, which is technically Martha's Vineyard. All the Amity stuff has always been filmed on Martha's Vineyard. So that's the real life Amity, if you've ever been there. She's still living in the seaside town and she's living not with her son, who is now a deputy or no, he's the chief. No, he's the deputy. Oh, he's a deputy. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, the younger son, Sean, who is probably most famous for being in the first movie where he does a cute little routine of mimicking Roy Scheider, which will be <laughs> replayed in this movie. You'll see it. You'll see it in this movie. So if you <laughs> haven't seen Jaws and you just want to watch Jaws the Revenge, fear not. You'll be filled in on this. But our opening scene of them is they're sort of talking in the kitchen and she is cooking the nastiest fish I've ever seen. It's so gross. But we get this sort of introduction where we get um, underwater footage going through the bay in Amity or whatever. And it's like the gnarliest bay. There's like tires and stuff. It's they really need to clean up that bay. Can we talk about opening up a Jaws movie in Amity on Amity Island but it's nighttime. The bay looks like a dump, yep. and it's there's snow everywhere. It's Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas time. This doesn't look anything like a Jaws movie at all. No. Nope. And it's so it's supposed to be like freezing. I guess technically a great white could be in cold. Well, in this like movie, that, they but... keep saying like sharks don't like warm water because we're not going <laughs> to stay in the warm water for long and the cold water for long, but. Yeah, I don't know. If I was Jaws, I wouldn't want to be hanging around Amity at Christmas time. I guess all I wanted to say is Amity kind of looks like shit in yeah. this movie. <laughs> they keep saying that great whites don't like warm water is what it is. Right. Not, yeah, that's the great whites are specific to cold water and they wouldn't be where they're going to end up in the Bahamas because it's too warm. Unless they have revenge on their mind and then they'll do anything. As this shark <laughs> does. So... Ellen and her son, Sean, are just hanging around. It's Christmas time, and he's the deputy at the police department, and he's got a fiancé, and they're going to get married. For some reason, they're shooting, like, a movie or something in Amity. Like, there's a set with, like, Christmas carolers and stuff. It's basically just to set up the fact that no one can hear him screaming because <laughs> they have this big Christmas caroling event, but they're, like, filming it. They're, like, there's, like, a director there and everything. I thought they were just rehearsing. Maybe. Because it's not actually Christmas, so... Yeah. I took yeah. it as that they were just had the chorus like rehearsing for the like the actual show on Christmas or whatever. Okay. I was really confused about what they were doing 
in this opening as well. However, this isn't the only scene in the movie where I was confused about anything <laughs> that was happening. I'd say that most of the scenes were like that. But the gist of it is that for whatever reason, there's a pylon that is stuck on a buoy out in the harbor and no one's available to go dig it off the buoy. So poor Sean has got to do it because he's the deputy and he goes out there in his boat and he goes to pull out the buoy and the shark appears and bites off his arm first. He's like wearing like a raincoat. So you get lots of like blood splatter on his arm. And then like he's in the boat screaming and no one can hear him because they're caroling <laughs> on the shore. <laughs> then the shark comes back and like totals the boat and just completely mauls him and kills him. It's such a four of a film franchise in that way, because it's just like watching it today. Even I was like, this just sets the tone for the whole film. <laughs> like, this is what, this is what's going to, this is what it's going to be. And yeah, there's a, there's a pylon out there because Jaws put it there. That's why it's there. The shark put it there because it's all part of the revenge. Yeah. It definitely is a four because we've gone past. We're out of ideas. That was three. Three was we're out of ideas. Let's <laughs> put this in sea world. Four is like, we really have no fucking ideas. Let's start this at Christmas. That's right. We're also at a four because the film just sort of opens up kind of with a shark attack. And yep. it's at this point, it's pretty unremarkable that Jaws like leaps out of the water and bites people and launches itself <laughs> onto boats. We're kind of used to that by now. Right. So there's nothing special about Jaws just jumping out of the water and biting off somebody's arm. Yeah. And I feel like that the thought was like, you know, because the first Jaws has that incredible shark attack in the beginning where the girl's swimming and it's like, so holy shit. You don't see anything. Right, right. You just see her thrashing around. And so it's, it's a buildup of a mystery. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a whodunit type thing, right? So, you know, we, we're not quite sure what's, what's going, what happened to her exactly and whatever, but it's like done so much more artfully. And <laughs> it's just, that is le legitimately like, I'm scared to go swimming in the ocean. And then there's like Jaws 4, The Revenge, where, you know, it's like, yeah, we've got immediately we've got Jaws lunging out of the sea into the like just ripping off his arm. And it's just like we just yeah, we just go there. And it's so not graceful in any way or mysterious. And it's the, opposite. It's the opening of any cheap and lazy monster movie where yeah. like a couple of people say, hey, let's what's in that house? And then it sort of opens up with like a monster killing them and then you know what though i think you guys are are way underselling this i am now terrified of pylons <laughs> that like that pylon got him killed and then we see the bloody pylon wash up to shore later yeah like and it's like oh that pylon it's like so scary. I'm never going near a pylon in the water for the rest of my life. And you know what? Not to mention that, and I said to Sebastian on this watching too, I was this viewing, I was like, why? Because Polly, the secretary at the, the, the police station, makes him go out there because the Coast Guard isn't available or something like that. And she's like, 
this has to be cleared before the fishermen get back tomorrow. And when he goes out there, I'm like, yeah, I see it's not great, but why can't they just go? Why? <laughs> Anybody could have gone around it. Like he totally didn't need to go out there at night in the winter and deal with this bullshit. Like she, she pretty much got him killed. Yep. I honestly didn't, I don't remember any of that. I don't know what he was doing out <laughs> in his boat. I didn't know why he wanted to fix the pylon at night. I couldn't tell what was wrong with it. But what's awesome, though, that Jen pointed out, which I'm sure you didn't track this, Troy, but when they're having the reception for the funeral or whatever, and uh, the older brother, Mike Brody, shows up with his wife and his child to pay their respects, Alex Kittner's mom is one of the women in the house. I missed that. I read about that later. And I thought about going back to look for that, but I didn't care. It was clearly her. And I've seen this movie many times. And today was the first time where I went, is that Alex Kittner's mom? <laughs> and Seb was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I guess since both of their kids, they both have kids that have been eaten by sharks. It's all water under the bridge now. Yeah, there was another woman, not Alex, Kip Alex Kittner's mom, but... Some other woman who is now working at, as a city official was a woman that we saw on the beach from the first movie. So there was this a spattering of characters from the original Jaws. I will say this for the movie. I'm not going to pay this movie a lot of compliments, and this maybe arguably isn't a compliment, but it's at least trying to tie back to the original Jaws yeah. and Jaws 2 to a lesser degree. Like, this feels like a legitimate attempt, however misguided it is, to make a legitimate sequel to the Jaws movies. Whereas Jaws 3, as much as I like it and would argue it's an, a superior piece of entertainment to this, <laughs> makes no attempt, really, no. to be a Jaws movie. And no one wanted to come back for this. Well, actually, that's kind of, that's why we have this scene. So apparently, when they wrote it, they wanted... To open up by killing Chief Brody. Ah, okay. So Roy Scheider was like, no, no way. And so they made it Sean that gets killed in the opening scene. Roy Scheider said when he was offered, this is in trivia, it was when he was offered a cameo, he declined stating, quote, Satan himself could not get me to do Jaws <laughs> part four. <laughs> That's what he, quote, said. But yes, it, it, along with what Troy said, Reportedly, if he if he had accepted the bit part, the shark would have killed him at the start of the film. Right. Which is why it's really forced when why she's trying to blame the shark for Martin's for Chief Brody's death because they really wanted the shark to kill him. Like they right. wanted to have a scene where he gets eaten by the shark and then it's and then she becomes a widow. They had to kind of make it seem like the shark killed him. By him having a heart attack out of being just afraid of, of sharks. Why didn't they just have the shark kill him off screen then? I mean, I know it's ridiculous, but we're already in the realm of ridiculous here. I mean, sure. Just say, oh, and then he got eaten by a shark too at some point. Instead of like, he had a heart attack because of the shark. Yeah, that's pretty lame. They also tried to get... Um... Dennis Quaid and Bess Armstrong to come back and they both declined too. That would have really tied in Jaws 3 though. That would have tied it all together. I actually think I would have loved Jaws 4 if Dennis Quaid was in it. Oh, absolutely. Are you saying that you don't like uh, Lance Guest as Mike Brody? I love Lance Guest. He's the best part about 
Jaws 4. I love him too. No, 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 no. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine. Michael Caine's pretty great. Hoagie? Hoagie's <laughs> definitely the best part of this movie. Hoagie is iconic. He is an iconic Jaws character as far as I'm concerned. Like if they made action figures, I definitely get the Hoagie action figure. 100%. I love Hoagie. Well, let's just get on to the Bahamas. So Mike and his wife and their little daughter convince Ellen to say goodbye to uh, Amity for the time being and go off to the Bahamas with them where Mike is a marine biologist. And Ellen is already now convinced that these shark attacks are motivated by revenge, even though the shark is an animal and cannot feel those sort of feelings. She believes that there's revenge and she's going through this thing that she's going to go through the whole movie where she's like, I don't want you to be in the water. And she freaks out when the daughter goes too close to the water. And several times she tells Mike, even though he's a marine biologist, that he she doesn't want him doing that anymore because he's going to get eaten by the shark. This is probably a good place to point out that while I do feel that Lorraine Gary was really pretty good as Ellen Brody in Jaws 1 and 2, uh, she cannot <laughs> carry a movie at all. But poor, poor darling. My heart goes out to her because you can just see it on this poor 50-year-old woman's face. On one hand, she looks so excited sometimes like she's just brimming with excitement that she gets to be the lead in a movie but at the same time you're like she is not cutting it as a central character like i cannot get on board with her as our main protagonist it's also she's she's asked to have a huge range right yes so yeah she's supposed to be at one point falling in love like a teenager Right. As a, oh. as like a 50 year old woman, she's having this, it's half of the movie is like a, a romance between her and Hoagie. And then she's supposed to have premonitions as a psychic. Yep. And then she's supposed to be grieving over the loss of her family. Yep. And then she's supposed to be called to action. So it's kind of a lot for, for even the most accomplished actor to yeah. pull that off. In Jaws 1, like in both uh, 1 and 2, like her and Roy Scheider actually, I I think had great chemistry yes. between them. Agreed. I totally believed them as a married couple that were still like coming, you know, they were in the seventies and they were yep. kind of loose about everything. And I totally believed them. They were like that perfect Steven Spielberg married couple. But yeah, again, like it's just so kind of awkward and embarrassing to watch her have to do this. Com it's a totally different character too. And then to be having this this incredibly embarrassing romance with with Michael Caine. The most painful scene in that regards is when she's talking to Mike's wife, the sculptor who makes this really obnoxious modern art sculpture that invokes public a art. shark public art. Yes. <laughs> like, but they have this terrible scene where Hoagie and Ellen have been flirting and Ellen's like, I just don't know what to do. This is just so crazy. I'm like a teenager. And it's yeah. like, oh, God, that scene is excruciating. I would actually say the one that's even more awkward than that is when she's dancing with Michael, her son. She's like, come here, dance with me. I want to see how good of a dancer you are. I think that's what she said. And no, he he comes up. She's she's dancing with 
Michael Caine, and her son comes over and cuts in. Okay. Yeah, the son, the whole running thing is like, Mike is concerned with what Hoagie does when he's not flying the plane. Like, he thinks he's like a drug dealer or something. Right. I guess all I was saying is that most of the scenes uh, with her are awkward and embarrassing. Yes. Now I'm starting to remember all of them. Also something to note, however, is she had not acted at anything since 1979. As she was in the uh, movie 1941, she came out of retirement to do this film. Yeah. So in the novelization, it is revealed that Hoagie uh, runs money in his plane. He's a money launderer. Oh, he said he he does laundry. That's yep, right. He did say he does laundry. They say, what, el- what else do you do besides flying a plane? Oh, I do the laundry. I deliver laundry over laundry is what he said. Yeah. He's a he's a government agent and he transports <laughs> laundered money. Of course he is. Okay. Wow. So that's one thing. Another thing the novelization adds, which I think is amazing and I wish was in the movie. <laughs> the reason the shark is out for revenge is not because it's personally mad at the Brodies. It's because there's a vengeful voodoo witch doctor who has a feud with the Brody family who possesses the shark and commands it to attack the Brodies. My God, I think you told me this a long time ago. Name. Papa Jacques. And this is only in the novelization? <laughs> it was going to be in the movie, but they were wow. like, we can't put this in the movie. This is too <laughs> crazy. No, they needed to have this in the movie. This explains everything. This is because it's voodoo. It would have made the movie better. I hate to say it, but it would have. I agree. The whole time, like nobody, it's the the fact that the shark is chasing them is ridiculous and unbelievable. And also like nothing happens for the longest time. Here's the thing about Jaws 4. Most of the movie, in fact, entirely, in its entirety, there's really no threat. Unlike Jaws, they have to get the get the shark because it's attacking the vacationers and they need to go kill it and it becomes a, a Captain Ahab story. And then Jaws 2, they need to save the teenagers that are getting picked off and trapped by the shark. And Jaws 3, it's attacking an amusement park. Jaws 4, it's chasing them, but they're on land. They don't have to go in the water. There's no threat in Jaws 4 at all. Well, Michael's job. Right. Michael's job is to be a marine biologist with his partner, Jake, played by Mario Van Peebles, right? It's not, it's Mario Van Peebles. Yes, yeah, not his, his dad is Melvin. We need to talk a little bit about Jake, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right. First of all, I have to tell you, because I just read this in the trivia, he wrote his own part. Wow. And it's it's so clear, because I was going through and I was like, where is he from originally? Like, I need to know, I think I do this every time I watch this, I'm like, does he have any sort of like bohemian background or anything? Is he from? No, no, he's not. He was born in like Mexico City or something like that. But yeah, this whole thing is a lot. His Rasta man character. Yeah. So Mike is partnered with Jake, this Rastafarian biologist as played by Mario Van Peebles. And he's doing just the most corny, hey, hey man, kind of a Jamaican, I guess, accent or whatever. 
worse still, so he's supposed to be this character that you love and endeared to, but in the beginning of the movie, like their first few scenes, he's being an absolute insensitive dick because Mike's brother has just been eaten by a friggin' shark and he's like <laughs> giving him a hard time about not picking up the conch shells from the seafloor quick enough because they're studying conch shells. He's just being a total dick and not, he's like, and you left me here to do this all by myself. Like, yeah, he left to go to Martha, to go to Amity to be with his mom after his brother got killed. You dick. Yeah. Like he's being so unmellow. Like you need to smoke a few more spliffs, Jake. Like you're not a mellow Rasta dude at all. He's kind of an aggro dickhead. And then later when they first encounter the shark, he's like, oh, we got to go study that shark, man. Or whatever. Like his brother just got killed by a shark. Like and his, his mom is there freaking out about it. And you want to like follow this shark around? He's a really hard character to like. His character um, reminds me of, um, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, in Living Color, there was a skit called Hey Mon. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> it was, it's just like, it's almost that. It's so a caricature of a person. And he's wearing, like, the whole time, he's wearing, like, these, like, touristy Bahamas shirts like yes. he had a shirt on that said like it says like it's supposed to say like same shit every day and it says like Bahamas on it it's like all these like really kitschy type touristy Bahamas shirts and he's supposed to be from the Bahamas I think I I, I don't know I, I don't I don't I don't like him at all no he's very cartoonish again as I was saying before when there's no threat and you're saying well you know, Michael's a marine biologist and he's on this boat doing studies. So when the shark does finally show up to their boat, you're right. Like Mario Van Peebles' character is like, cool, let's study it. And it kind of chomps, you know, there's a little bit of a scare. Like it ridiculously <laughs> attacks their boat for no reason at all, but just because maybe Mike's on it. It doesn't go for anybody but Mike. But and they, Mike. Okay. they specifically point that out, that the shark is avoiding other people and only going after Mike. Because Jake wasn't, Jake was in the water. That's the other yes. thing is Jake saw the shark in the water. Jake was in the water and the shark comes up next to his submersible and... And he's like, whoa, man, big fish down here. Like, you're not scared of the shark. The, as this thing, it finally shows up from Martha's Vineyard to the Bahamas. And you're supposed to be like, oh, shit, it made it. But no, you're, he's greeted by Mario Van Peoples going, whoa, man, check out the size of that fish. Okay, now let's talk about the shark because oh. a big thing in the Jaws franchise, famously in the original, the shark, which they named Bruce for whatever reason, was a big mechanical shark that was on this sort of underwater arm and the shark famously would break down and not work correctly because, uh, hello, it's seawater and it's going to erode the mechanics in it and whatever. So all of these movies have had to contend with this pre-CGI era shark. And apparently they had a few different types of, of sharks to photograph. For one thing, I mean, it doesn't look any better than it ever did in the first movie. It would have looked better if they actually went to Universal Studios and, and shot it on the Jaws ride. <laughs> Which one of the reasons why they even made this movie is because they were hoping that it would bring people to Universal Studios to go to the Jaws ride. <laughs> this sh shark has like 
two points of articulation on it. Its tail kind of moves a little bit and its head. And in several scenes where the shark attacks somebody, you can clearly see the crane mechanism under the shark or whatever. But then I feel (laughs) like there's another shark that they use. There's a scene where Michael is in the submersible and the shark attacks and then he he swims off to this wreckage that's underwater <laughs> and swims to the wreckage as the shark is chasing him. You So you get the shark moving in this wreckage and I noticed it and there was something occurring to me as I was watching it. I'm like, what is the movement of this shark reminding me of? <laughs> and I realized it was like a Thanksgiving day float or something. It's like moving so slowly, <laughs> like one of those balloons that would be like Bart Simpson or something in the Thanksgiving day parade. It's like rocking back and forth. Like it's just like a giant blow up thing. Sometimes it's like, it's like at a weird angle and it's just kind of floating right, like They along couldn't get it right in diagonally. <laughs> and Blu-ray didn't do this shark any favors at no. all. Woo. It looks pretty hilariously bad. And for whatever reason, they seem way less shy about showing it in this movie. You get a lot of shark in this movie, way more than you get in the first movie, obviously. But even in Jaws 2, which I think upped the amount of shark that you see, this one you get a lot of mechanical shark and it looks bad. Yeah. And the the camera's just sitting on it and this thing is literally just floating. It looks dead. It's just like floating not moving. The jaws aren't even opening and closing. It's just kind of like got this yawn on its face when it goes to attack people. <laughs> and and every time we see it, it's just like, it's just so bananas biting banana boats, but I biting boats like just out of like, it's so like not what the others are in any way there's zero subtlety at all it's just every time it's just balls out like shark (laughs) like trying to get up on the boat i mean it's a voodoo shark so now it all makes sense i mean everything makes sense now (laughs) well yeah let's so let's let's talk about the shark has chased the family down to the bahamas Mm -hmm. and lorraine gray has now said a couple of times that she knew that the shark was coming she knew that sean was going to die yes She's had premonitions. When I first heard of Jaws 4, and people were kind of joking that, oh, she's like psychic. Because there's a scene where she puts her foot in the water and she like kind of sees that the shark is coming. And I thought, well, that's probably, you know, it's a suggested scene in there. You probably are reading into it. And after this feeling, she's literally saying, I know it's coming. I can feel it. I knew Sean was going to die. Like, it's very over the top. There's nothing subtle about her psychic connection with this shark. There's actually theme music to it. There's like a little Nightmare on Elm Street (laughs) synth (laughs) noise that comes up every time she has like a a little. It's her sharky sense. Yes. Sharky sense. (laughs) Sharky sense starts tingling. And she's just like gets it and she looks out at the ocean and she like knows she knows that that the shark is near and and she gets just like it's this like driven look or she looks out at, at sea. It's um yeah, she's she's kind of So the shark is here in the Bahamas. Uh she knows it, she can feel it and sense it. We've had a, a couple of scenes now that have told us that she 
is aware of the presence of the shark. Well, she's and there's like a dream sequence yep. where she right. she's in the water and she imagines she's being attacked. And then later, Mike has a dream of being attacked by a shark. But so Mike knows that the shark's here, but he doesn't want to tell his mom. Right. Keep her safe. Yes. Which and this is this the tension of that whole thing barely plays out at all. That <laughs> that he's known that their shark is there. They there's right. one scene where yep. after his daughter is attacked, he's like tells the wife, "Oh yeah, I knew the shark was here," and she's like, "You didn't tell me." Oh, that's supposed to be derivative of of Jaws because Martin Brody. Everybody came down hard on him. Remember, there was right, that scene right. like you knew, you knew that the shark was here. So it's there's a couple of scenes like that in Jaws four where they they replay stuff that was in Jaws, and that was one of them. Yes. Oh yeah, they do. It was like a, a callback to the other movie. That's why the tension is totally lame. Well, it's also because there's there's that scene at uh, like New Year's party which is also uh jake's girlfriend's birthday or something and they're all there and mike has already told jake ixnay on the shark business you know like don't say anything and then i don't know if jake's had a few or what but then he's like you don't even know what we've got going on we're about to be famous and 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 mike's like you know right so he like tries to kill so that that's the only thing that happens but then yeah with what seven said when he when the daughter's like in shock and he tells his wife you know that that they they had been trying to track this shark that they had found and her reaction is so like over the top like i think we're off screen and we still hear her yelling yeah you knew you know it's like so like all of a sudden she's gonna like come because she's just kind of been like this kind of mellow character throughout like there's not like a whole lot going on there there's like a scene where she nags Mike for not taking out the trash. Oh my God, that scene. I actually wrote th- I wrote that down. There's this whole scene. So for, for one thing, we're sitting here talking about probably the best and most exciting parts that have happened <laughs> in the first hour of this movie. Most of what actually is happening in between these scenes is awkward, flirty teenage love between Michael Caine and Lorraine Gary. And then just mundane scenes with like Michael on his boat doing his job and his wife doing what really seems like just a job of her being an artist. Yeah. Making public artworks. And this scene where they have this argument, she tells him to take out the trash. He looks at her, like throws the trash on the ground. And then they start arguing about the fact that he had to take out the trash. On his day off. And it's trying so hard to be like this buildup between this character's marriage to make it seem a little bit more like a drama. Yeah. And there's nothing happening. It's just the most stiff dialogue. And then at one point he says like, why are we even fighting? Right. And you're like, why are we, why are why, we even yeah, in this that's scene? What I asked. I was like, <laughs> why are you guys fighting? This is so forced and just, dull and that scene just goes on forever too doesn't the fight carry over into her art studio where she's got a well she's got a welding torch and he's like i always did want to make it with a welder or whatever yeah 
And the whole time you're just like, why are we here? Like, what? This is supposed to be a Jaws movie. And we've just had like this 10 minute scene. Yeah, where they- but they're trying to do what Jaws did by having like real drama in there. I mean, they're so desperate for it. That's why they do the whole scene with his daughter where they're sitting together in the kitchen. And then she starts imitating him just yeah. like just like Sean did. Not Michael, which no, is. Not Michael. Oh, no, they have black and white. Yeah. Flashback shots of Sean of Sean who's not the character we're with in case you didn't know what they were doing what they're up to but that's at Sean's funeral because Sean is dead like it wasn't with Michael and so now we have Michael and his daughter doing it and Lorraine Gary watching again it's trying so hard that's just what you kids used to do with your father to your point Troy that scene what we're talking about then just goes nowhere and the tension between them is supposed to be that he's not cool with her hanging out with hoagie so it's this weird role reversal where the son is concerned about who the mom is dating who friggin cares no one cares like i don't care if hoagie's running heroin and (laughs) prostitutes just let her hang out with him who cares let her be happy and it's not like chief brody just died he's been gone for a while he brought her down to the Bahamas with him to have her get away and enjoy herself. Yeah. And now he's all pissed at her for meeting somebody. It's just manufactured drama. They're just trying to squeeze any sort of drama they can out of any sort of character dynamics they can possibly wrangle because they know they just can't have the shark attacking the whole movie. So they're like, we got to make this a drama, you know, like the first Jaws was. And it's failing at every turn. But the first Jaws, all the stuff on Amity Island was only in the beginning. It was only for the first third of the movie. And then the rest of it is this action Moby Dick. Eh, you could argue, though, that the whole all the stuff between Quint and Hooper and Brody, yeah. like the way their characters are all sort of triangulated so smartly where it's like Quint thinks Hooper's a is lame because he's a college boy and yeah. Hooper thinks he's a, an idiot. There's character stuff going on yeah. there, but it's smart and it it's engaging and it has to it moves the story forward where this is all just like shit that's going on in between shark attacks for whatever reason. There aren't even that many shark attacks. Most of this movie is these scenes, just these long drawn out scenes with Hogan. Well, there's not that many shark attacks in the first Jaws though. There's only really two. I mean, if you think about it, it's, there's not a lot, but you don't care because everything else is working so well. The problem yeah. is that the drama that they have here is garbage. And it's not even really so much the actor's fault, although I would unfortunately say that Lorraine Gary can't really pull it off. But it's just that it's manufactured drama that has no connection really to the story. It's not driving the story forward. It's just shit to take up time. And it's just all terrible. It's so bad that they don't know when to end the scenes. You clear no. they don't even have an idea for what the scene is. It's just like, uh, you guys fight about uh trash. Like, I mean, you literally that's like the sort of thing you could come up with on the day of shooting. Like, yeah. what could this fight be about? I don't know. Uh, okay, he Mike isn't taking out the trash and she's mad about it. Who fucking cares? Well, also just to note, which I can't even imagine this happening because 
of you being a writer and seeing the research that you do, but the writers for this fine film did not watch Jaws 2 or Jaws 3. Wow. Did you read that somewhere? Yeah, it's trivia. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, which is just shocking because I guess there's some, you know, inconsistencies between the the films as far as some some things with Mike and Sean and whatever, but Right. I mean, just the fact for the this just for research's sake, like you wouldn't wouldn't if you're going to be writing yeah. the the fourth installment of a franchise i don't know i think it makes sense actually to what is going on with this story because you're they keep going back to the well of jaws and not doing successfully but like they're trying to really do what jaws did but they don't they're not sticking the landing at all i did read that the this script was banged out really quickly and then they rushed shooting and the whole production was like nine months. The whole thing from pre-production, uh, the, including this the script, everything, nine months, they just sped this thing along. And the writer had done a couple of amazing stories, which kind of made sense to me because you could see this as a condensed 30-minute story of a, a, a woman being chased by a psychic shark. Right. Totally seems like... An amazing stories episode. Right. One defense I'm going to make of this film is, you know, you're saying there's not that much to it, you know, that there's not that many attacks. But this movie is a tight one hour and like 29 minutes. It does not waste a lot of time, even though it does waste a lot of time. Right. (laughs) Like it's at least short. This movie is not long. It felt really long. I actually, maybe it felt long to me because... I started watching it uh, yesterday and turned it off and realized I didn't remember anything that happened (laughs) in the first half. And I had to start the whole thing over again today because whatever information had entered had trickled out of my ears and was gone. This is a really hard movie to try and care about as you're watching it. That's why I like Hoagie so much because I care about Hoagie. Whenever Hoagie's on screen, I'm engaged because it's the great Michael Caine. And I'd like to point out that while we were watching it, Jen was sort of feeling bad for Michael Caine that he's in this piece of crap. (laughs) However, Michael Caine does not feel bad about being in this piece of crap because he was asked about it years later and he said, I haven't seen the film. Like, from all accounts, it's terrible but I have seen the house that it bought and it's quite lovely. (laughs) And he also like made comments of how like, it was like, I was on vacation and I got paid really well. So Michael Caine wasn't sad to be in Jaws of Revenge. And I think he won an Oscar that year for Hannah Hannah and her sisters. So that's right. He was doing great, but he couldn't attend the Oscars because he was stuck in the Bahamas (laughs) filming parts of Jaws the Revenge. So he didn't get to claim his Oscar for Hannah and his sisters. But he was he was very happy with all the events. Yes. He was happy with what he got paid. So I, I don't know if there's anything left to cover up until what seems like a very rushed climax where <laughs> I just want to say, well, that banana boat, the banana boat scene is... Before the climax happens, we get this ridiculous coronation of the sculpture scene where Mike's wife, the sculptress, has made this ridiculous sculpture 
public art piece that they're going to have on the beach. And there's this ridiculous little ceremony going on. Hosted by Melvin Van Peoples. I saw he was credited. I wasn't sure yes, that's okay. that he was the uh, city official. Yes. Okay. I don't know what his exact title is, but that was Melvin. Okay, that makes sense because I'm like, yeah. why are we paying so much attention to this yeah. silly speech this guy is giving? It, it was his cameo. That's, that's why. Okay, okay that makes Got sense. It. But while this is happening, Ellen gets her spidey sense tingling, her sharky sense tingling, <laughs> and the daughter has gone off onto a banana boat, which is an <laughs> inflatable boat that looks like a banana. <laughs> Literally, that's what it is. And then all the kids are on this inflatable banana boat with some adult supervision, and they're out in the water, and the shark attacks the boat. This is the highlight of the movie for me. And it's also one of the best Jaws shark attacks. Yeah, yes. it's pretty amazing, because yeah. this poor woman on the end... Oh, yeah. Who you notice as the boat's going by, you're like, um, that for whatever reason, you sort of see her and you're like, huh, I wonder if she's going to get killed. Sure enough, she does. She must have been a stunt person or something because the shark gets her right in its mouth and there, there is blood everywhere and the kids are screaming and <laughs> we love to see kids in distress in general. Like that just brings a spring to our step as viewers and this woman gets mauled by the shark and it's like in her <laughs> jaws. Well, like you were saying before, like how the camera does not try to cut around the shark. Like it just photographs it. There it is. It's a giant mechanical shark. And in this shark attack, it's just this medium wide shot of the shark coming out of the water with its mouth wide open kind of picking her up. She falls into the mouth with no cuts, just and then the mouth kind of closes on her. Yeah. And then it sinks back into the water, like a true monster movie. Yeah. Like this thing just comes up and picks this woman up, and she kind of slides into it. And you think that you think the camera's going to cut, you think they're going to do some editing and like cut out of it, but nope. She nope. just sort of rolls into this thing's mouth. It's pretty good. It really languishes in its own sort of exploitive silliness <laughs> it's great it's a highlight it, it is i think the the highlight it's the only scene honestly when i was watching was like oh i have seen this movie before the banana boat scene like that's the only thing i remember from this movie it's a great shark attack i do enjoy the opening with sean at amityville at christmas just because it's so ridiculous in terms of the setting and the fact that you know, this character from the first two movies is getting so unceremoniously killed that I enjoy it a lot and I enjoy this sequence. So I would say Jaws The Revenge has two worthwhile shark attack sequences that are, are pretty fun to watch. I'll give you that. I, I would throw in there's actually one more and that would be Jake. Right. When Jake gets it at the end. Oh, that's a good one. This is really... The movie finally, at I looked at the time, it was an hour and eight minutes. Uh -huh. And then we kind of click into action here. Okay, and the way we click into action is Ellen has witnessed her granddaughter almost getting eaten. So the way she's going to jump into action is steal Mike's and Jake's boat, which is like a pretty big boat. She's going to 
Captain in it by herself, this middle-aged woman who, as far as I'm aware, does not have a lot of experience on boats, despite living on Amity Island. <laughs> and she's just going to drive out into the ocean to fight the shark <laughs> on her own. That's it. Here we go. It's like, finally, we get a beach scene. The shark attacks a bunch of kids on a banana boat, and then she jumps on a sailboat and chases it. And it's, this next stuff is all happens uh, within about 15 minutes. Yeah. Is when it really feels like Jaws to me. And this whole climax lasts about 15 minutes. There's really yeah. hardly anything to it. She goes off into the ocean blue to, to fight the shark. I mean, and she's convinced, I guess, that the shark is going to find her and kill her i'm not exactly sure what her plan is she wants to kill it no i think this is i think this is suicide by shark honestly is what i feel is happening because she's just like coming to offer herself i don't know how she how is she gonna kill the shark she doesn't even have any sort of weapons or anything on the boat well we're gonna find out that she does i know but i'm exactly what she was doing well i don't know i i just feel like she's going to like sacrifice herself because she feels like she's the one that the shark wants for whatever reason like that's it feels very like reckless and she's just putting herself out there and also, back to you, Troy. How do you? How are you not invested in Hoagie and Ellen's romance? How am I not? Every time I saw them together, it's just made me feel like the most uncomfortable. Oh God, I'm just so embarrassed for these people. <laughs> Michael Caine did say that it was the first time he'd ever been asked to have a romantic on-screen relationship with a woman his age. <laughs> yeah. It's like someone who is age appropriate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that, but. Yeah, so I, I I don't know. I don't know what her plan was. But the, it's not just them. Like, I felt awkward and uncomfortable between Michael and his sculptress wife. Oh, well, like yeah. Like, every, every scene between two people that were supposed to be romantically involved just didn't work at all. It just yeah. felt like I, I wasn't supposed to be in the room while they were trying <laughs> to have this scene. The drama in this movie is atrocious. There's no yeah. there's no two ways about it. None of it works. It's all None of it. bad. Bad, bad, bad. Bad, bad, bad. But all that's behind us now because Lorraine Gary's on the boat. She's chasing the shark. That's right. Let's just look ahead. Let's just look ahead. Can we please just get back to that for a second? Because, okay, so she's going to commit suicide by shark, but that's not going to stop the shark from killing the rest of the Brodies because it clearly wants to kill the rest of the Brodies. Is she hoping she's going to be able to kill it and kill herself? I don't know, but I feel like she really thinks it's coming from her. And like they're, tr- I think it's like trying to get her family members, but it's all about her. I think that's her idea of because she's psychically connected with the shark she knows the problem is we needed a moment where she was said like i'm going to get that shark like as stupid as it would have been just give her a moment where she's like i'm gonna take care of this myself and i'm gonna kill the shark yeah but she doesn't she just freaks out and goes on the boat so you don't really know what she's planning to do and even when the men show up she doesn't even have an answer for them when they show up so she's gone off in the boat so michael and jake are going after her they see her, they're like, wait, where's she going? So yeah, they're, they're in like their little um, motorboat, right? And they try to chase her. 
They motorboat out and then they run into Hoagie, who's like fishing on his boat. And he's like, hey, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, my mom took the boat. We're, we're going after her. And he's like. But nobody knows why. Nobody knows why exactly. she's racing out to sea on this boat. So And so he's like, well, I have a better idea. We'll take my plane. Like, why didn't they just go straight? to? Why did we have to have this little interim moment where they're on a boat? Because he's like, you're going after a shark on that boat. That's not a good idea or whatever, because they've got like a little dinghy. Do they think they're going out after the shark? Or does anybody know what they're doing here? Nobody knows what they're doing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. I think Mike says to Hoagie, my mom's going after the shark or something like that. I think he does say that. But there's no plan. Honestly, when when uh, when I was watching this and there was that awesome banana boat kill and then suddenly... Laurie and Gary's on this giant boat. I had to rewind it because it happened so fast. She just like jumps on this, just grabs this boat and takes it out to sea. And you're right. It, we needed some moment where she just like a look on her, something where she told the audience what she was going to do. I'm going to kill the son of a bitch. I didn't catch it. What? We're on a boat now? Ripley going back for Newt and aliens. Like yep. I'm yes. strapping up. I'm putting on my guns. I'm going yeah. after this little girl. Whereas this is like, what is she doing? Well, there's no there's no suit up scene. That's what's missing is there's no suit up scene. Well, I don't know if I want Lorraine Gary like <laughs> strapping on bandoliers of ammo. You know what I mean? But at least like she's she's telling us or she's loading something up on the boat or something. Well, in the poster, she's got this giant harpoon. Right. Like she's literally Ahab going yes. after the whale. Yeah. Which I was really disappointed to find out that there was no harpoon because I kept waiting for her to pick up that giant fucking harpoon and throw it at the shark. She could have at least loaded the harpoon on the boat, even if she didn't use it or whatever. Exactly. At least we know that we were like, ooh, that's the harpoon from the poster. Right. That would have been great. But no, that we don't get that. We get the plane. And thank God they take the plane because she's really made it out far in the ocean. And they've like, first they find these other people that are just on a boat. And so Hoagie just waves. And they're like, oh no, it's not them. <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. That's, that's kind of how sloppy this scene is when... Michael Caine told him that they weren't going to be fast enough on the motorboat. He said, let's take the plane. Instead of me thinking, oh, my God, they got to get out and save her. I started thinking like, oh, yeah, that would have taken them a long time to get out on that motorboat. Because that yeah. does look like a long distance. Like, that's where my mind was. <laughs> well, like, where would the, the, the ocean is huge. Like, where do you even know what to, how do you even, like, there's yeah. no, like, where do you even go? I guess what I'm saying is I, I wasn't really thinking about the shark. Because why would I? How is she going to find it? Yeah. Actually, she doesn't. It chases her. Yeah, that's a, what's so amazing. Yes, they find they, so they're flying around, and it's a, you know this really sort of badly like green screened yes. planes footage or whatever. But then they look down like there she is, and you see the boat, and then they're like, and there's the shark, and the shark is just like you can see it coming right behind her, chasing her cresting he's like coming out yeah. of the water already like it's clear like you're not like i've seen many of like traffic cameras that fly over like in florida they fly over to see like if there's sharks in the water it doesn't look like this yeah it's like halfway above it's halfway on the surface of the water just yes. like cruising after her it's one of my favorite shots in the movie 
It's pretty great. And then Michael Caine's like, well, let's try to land this thing. Like, oh, we have a water plane now? I didn't know that. I guess we do. Okay, here we go. And it's not a water plane. No, it's not. And it just <laughs> it just land it just lands it on the water, it starts sinking, and then the shark attacks the plane. I gotta say, I was excited for the shark to attack the plane, but we have seen a similar scene in, in Jaws, Jaws 2, 2 where the shark attacks a helicopter and it's way cooler. Yeah. Jaws it's too. so much better in Jaws 2. Still, as we're watching this scene, which should be, I should be on the edge of my seat. I'm thinking like, well, he just radioed in to Help. the life, the Coast Guard and told everybody where she is. Sharks can't launch themselves up. I, only in Jaws movies they can. So I guess that is a real threat that it can launch itself up on top of the boat. But he kind of, he did what they were really, they should have done, which is just they found her. He radioed in to the Coast Guard, gave coordinates, said, we need you guys to come help. And then he makes this decision, like, let's go get her and crash the plane into the ocean. Because <laughs> that's the smartest thing to do after calling the Coast Guard. Yes. Well, and another thing that we forgot to mention, which is sort of important, is at one point, Michael and Jake, when they're studying the shark they did some they made a gizmo and not only that but in the scene where they're trying to oh, like yeah. track the shark my, this is when mike is in the submersible jake goes dun 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 there's like a meta moment yes really i missed that he's quoting the original jaws dun 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 john williams score but I guess Whoa. they're framing it that he's saying that because the shark's heartbeat is making that noise. But it's this weird metatextual moment where... But it's very deliberate. Yeah, like he's referencing the Jaws theme because he's going dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun over the headset mics or whatever. This movie's smarter than I thought it was. <laughs> is it? <laughs> so they've got a tracker ostensibly on the shark right so why didn't they just try to find the shark with the tracker well the tracker stopped the tracker stopped working at some point too oh, okay. remember remember that where he was like we lost him or the equipment is crapped out again or something like that well they get it working again once they're on the boat but they had a tracker but then i forget was this after they crashed the plane to go save their mom but then jake was like he told the audience some gobbledygook like well if i just take the tracker and reverse the polarity of the wires and then suddenly he's got this other thing that they can use as a weapon if mike holds the flashlight or something right like it's going to drive the shark crazy or something like yes. that. But none of it. I don't think anybody has ever understood what they did in that scene. No, no it's really, really weird. The fact that it's, doesn't really make any scientific sense is one thing, but they don't even explain it. They have these two objects. You have no idea what they're supposed to do with these things. He like reverse engineered the tracker and I didn't even know if it's supposed to kill the shark. No, it's supposed to just make it agitated. Disorienting or agitated or something. They've put together this device that's agitating the shark, but in order for it to work, I guess Jake has got to go out on the bow of the ship, which has this big pole sticking out of it. I'm sure there's a technical term for whatever this mast pole thing is. It's a sideways mast, technically. Oh, there you go. I'm just making that. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it sounded good. It's a thing that people will shoot at whales like with a harpoon gun. Like you go out onto this thing and then shoot at things. And so he's out on this sort of protrusion at the front of the boat and the shark jumps out of the water pretty much 
and snatches him off of it with his mouth. And then we just get really protracted sequence of him being dragged into the water. And you like, you can see him in there. the shark's mouth. There's like a stunt man in the mechanical shark, which I'm sure was dangerous as hell. And then at one, <laughs> then it's like, you get an underwater shot of it, dragging him down. And you see it chewing this, yeah. chewing him. You see the shark chewing on Jake. Yeah. He's in the mouth, clearly in the mouth. And he's, clearly going to die. Yes. Like there's no question at all that whatever wounds are being inflicted on this person, nobody could possibly survive. Right. Like he's almost chomped in half. Like yes. right. they might as well have had him be chomped in half by the shark. It's yes. like that mortal of wounds. Yes. That's exactly what you see on screen. That's what it looks like. Yes. <laughs> so Jake is dead. They're still agitating the shark. It is popping out of the water. And Ellen is at the rudder and she is driving this boat straight at the shark. And while she's doing that, we're getting these flashbacks to Jaws of Chief Brody shooting at the shark as he does at the end of that movie, which Ellen was not present for in any way, shape, or form. So there's no reason why she would be having these psychic recollections of this happening. No, I just, she also had the same thing happen because she, I think at this point too, she gets the flashback of like Sean getting eaten. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, you weren't there for that either. Like, but maybe, I don't know. But if she is psychic, yeah, she, maybe she did have visions of what happened to all those people. Right. So is she remembering it from their point of view or is she remembering it from the shark's point of view? And if she's remembering (laughs) it from the shark's point of view, is this the same shark? I mean, aren't we to presume that there are different sharks in both Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3 and Jaws 4? I was going to bring this up. I think this is definitely supposed to be the same shark from Jaws 2. And it's like all scarred and because it's got like markings all over its face and stuff like that. Oh, from when it bit down on the cable from Cable Junction. I think you're right. I think it's absolutely supposed to be the second shark. It can't possibly be the first shark. No, the first shark exploded. And I think they say in Jaws 2, or maybe I'm just remembering from the novelization, that the shark (laughs) is not the same shark. It's like the shark's mate. It's his best friend. No, it's like they're like husband and wife. Jaws 1 and Jaws 2 are husband and wife. Or or wife and husband. I don't want to assume gender roles here. They're partners. They are sexual partners. Yeah, that's what I thought when you said my friend. Like, it's me mate, man. You killed me mate. <laughs> They're not mates in the same way that Michael and Jake are mates. These are lovers. Like Hoagie and Ellen. <laughs> Just like Hoagie and Ellen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now it all makes sense. Now it all makes sense. So Ellen is having these crazy psychic flashbacks of previous scenes from this movie and the original Jaws. And she rams this pole that's in front of the ship in the mast, whatever you want to call it. Side mast into the shark like a spear. No, the shark has to jump out of the water at exactly the right time as she is throttling it right. in full gear. 
it jumps up in front of the boat and she plows this thing through it, the forward mast, right? And then... And it explodes. It explodes. In this really painful bit of editing that is clearly just cobbled together from whatever they possibly could. They clearly did not actually stage a full explosion of this shark. No, but also if you if you look at it closely, that it's all in miniature too. Right. <laughs> so it's a little it looks like a little toy boat. Right. Stabbing a little toy shark for a second. Yes. Before it explodes. So we are to presume that whatever device they managed to get the shark to swallow, because they got the shark to swallow one of these things. Is that why it explodes? Is because the thing that Jake put in its mouth? I guess. I don't know, but it looks like he swallowed a strobe light. Yes, it looks like a strobe That's light. That's all I can say. And I don't know if that, I mean, how do, I don't, I don't know. No, because Jake would have said, watch out with that thing. It's highly combustible. It's explosive. Be careful with that. Why would they start trying to give us some context now? <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> like, just throw this in there and he explodes the end. All he said before, I can't even remember, was something like, hey, man, I flipped the batteries on it, man. Just throw it in. It's got to go in the shark's mouth. I'm just trying to help the movie out here because there's no logical reason why spearing a shark with a mast would cause it to explode. explode. The only thing I can think of to help the movie is that that device somehow became a bomb in whatever (laughs) they did. It turned it into a bomb that would blow up on impact. The truth of the matter is that they screened the movie to a test audience and they were like, the the end ain't exciting enough because what happens in the original ending is she just spears the shark with the mast, then it falls over onto the boat, which then cuts the boat in half, and then you get a shot of the shark with half the boat speared into it, drifting down into the murky depths, and Jake does not reappear. And so... Obviously, they were like, we need a more explosive ending. That's right. So so instead of even coming up with anything that could possibly explain it, they just went ahead and did it. Well, (laughs) there's in addition to the because who doesn't like explosions, especially Americans? We love explosions. The shark has a roar. That happens. Oh my God, that's in the right. climax. Okay. A couple of times. Yeah, but in the climax, particularly, it actually that 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 roar comes from a Tom and Jerry cartoon called The Milky Waif from 1946. And reportedly, this was actually done because the sound editor refused to make an original sound effect because he thought the idea of a shark roaring was ridiculous. He wow. is correct. He is correct. So they called it from an old cartoon. From an old cartoon, a Tom and Jerry cartoon called The Milky Waif. If I was that sound editor, I would have so much fun just like coming <laughs> up with like shark noises like <laughs> <laughs> I would like do that all day long yep. for like months and be like, no guys, I'm not ready yet. I'm really trying to perfect the shark sound like No, this this sound sucks, dude. Okay, no, okay. You know what? Give me a few more games. <laughs> I'm gonna nail it. I got it. 
But yeah, it's ridiculous. The shark roars. The shark roars. It jumps out of the water and, and howls. The other thing to note, just one more quick fun fact about this climax, the water in the tank where the climax was shot was filled with blue dye. Therefore, it turned Michael Caine and Lorraine Gary's hair blue. Oh. So they, oh. they suffered for this. They shot it in, in a tank? That's what it says. Huh. A lot of it just looks like it was shot in shallow water somewhere yeah. in the Yeah, I mean, some of it, some scenes, they're supposed to be way out in the deep ocean, and then there'll be these cuts, and you can, like, see that it's three feet deep. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can see the coral at the bottom. But let's talk about Jake. What happens in the theatrical version, or I guess the only version, since there isn't a director's <laughs> cut, <laughs> I don't know. I'm so used to talking about director's <laughs> cut that I just assume there is one in every single nope. movie we talk about. So Jake somehow has survived being mauled by the shark because we all just love this character so much. We can't bear to see him die. And he reappears out of the water and he's still alive and he's like cracking jokes and shit. Yeah, he's not, he's not like, oh God, you guys help me. I'm bleeding over here, over here. Save me. He's like, hey man, (laughs) what about me? Look, can we go back to studying the conscious man? He's just floating there. He's got blood coming out of his mouth. His shoulder looks like it's showing like there's bone protruding through it. Like his, he's, they definitely wanted him to appear mauled. There's blood all over the water. They couldn't get away with not having him appear <laughs> mauled. They showed us him in the shark's mouth. So he's just kind of floating there, sp- splashing around. And, uh... You're, you're right. He's cracking jokes. Well, apparently audiences in 1987 loved Mario Van Peebles as Jake so much they didn't want him to die, which seems inconceivable to me because all I wanted for the whole movie was for him to die. <laughs> 100%. I don't know what these people were smoking, who they were. They need to be all held accountable for this decision because I don't understand why we have to have him back. And that means that none of the four characters on this boat die. Nope. They all live. At one point, we almost think that Hoagie's killed because he's in the plane when the shark attacks it, but then he pops up too. So they've already pulled this trick once it's terrible it's just terrible commit to killing some characters no one cares like we could have lost hoagie and jake it would have been (laughs) fine just kill them when hoagie pops up too don't forget he's got jokes when he comes back as well and he's like oh the breath on that thing right oh god (laughs) oh michael kane i'm glad he got an oscar that year i'm glad he did too and i'm glad this bought him a nice house it makes me feel better yeah, so that's it. They uh, all get in Hoagie's plane and fly away, and they're like, come visit uh, Amity in summer and everything. And yeah, that's the end of Jaws The Revenge, and that's the end of the Jaws franchise, because this thing killed it stone dead. <laughs> so, Jen, why is Jaws The Revenge really one of your favorite movies well first of all troy it's not one of my favorite movies it's i this is this is the the franchise that i hold dearly in my heart and i like all of the films i i knew when i saw this this is what i was mentioning earlier like even as you know a a a young kid i knew this wasn't good but I was still here for it. It's Jaws. I, I love Jaws. I wanted to see more shark. Are you saying like you kind of give this film a pass because Jaws is in it? Yeah, 
Yeah. Like, because Jaws is your guy. How some people might say, well, you know, some some of the Halloween movies, I'm talking about you, Sebastian, some of the Halloween movies aren't so great, but Michael Myers is I know you're talking about me. (laughs) Yes. No, it's because I just, you know, I just wanted more Jaws because I love Jaws. And, you know, I, I know that the drama sucks and I and I love the the craziness of like Jaws coming after the Brodies. Like, it's so ridiculous. I love even more now knowing that there was like voodoo involved in the novelization. I wish that that was in the film. I think this would yeah. that would have made the film better. I agree with you. I totally wish that would be amazing if that was in the film. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I just, I don't know. I just, the whole thing, it's just, it's probably just nostalgia too of seeing it, you know, in the, in the theater and just being a kid and, and, you know, that whole thing. I know it's not a great film at all. I mean, I know I'm in touch enough with reality and I can admit like that there's, it's, it's, it's a steady decline down, you know, of, of the franchise, but I love every single film. I love Jaws. I mean, like Seb said, we just rewatched it recently, and I just was like, God, I love this film so much. This film is perfect. I have my my comfort films too. Yeah. I think the thing that you have to ask yourself, and here's a defense of bad franchise films that I've never made before. So we're actually kind of breaking some new ground here. I think what you have to ask yourself as a fan of a franchise is do you wish this movie did not exist and if your answer is no i don't wish this did not exist then you know you like the movie i feel that way about the halloween movies the reason why i don't really hate any of them is because i don't i'm happy that they're all there i'm not like oh i wish they never made this halloween movie I can understand that it's bad. I can understand that it's not technically a good movie, but I enjoy it being in the world. I enjoy seeing something that's trying desperately to milk some more revenue out of a <laughs> out of a franchise that I enjoy and I'm willing to like go on any sort of ride they're willing to attempt. And I do kind of agree with Jen in that regard that I kind of love that this movie exists. The tagline, which we never landed upon, which is shameful, but the tagline of this movie was this time Time it's it's personal. personal. Yes. And that has become a piece of cultural ephemera. This time it's personal because it's so ridiculous in the context of this movie that this is about a shark who's taking things personally (laughs) against a family. It's not even against a person that wronged it, which is what Orca is about. Or humanity in general, which is like most animal attacks. Exactly. With Orca, it's a killer whale, which is a mammal. So we kind of assume they have some more intelligence. They're related to porpoises. We can kind of buy that concept coming from a killer whale for some reason. But a shark? (laughs) No shark has ever shown any sort of cognitive abilities beyond wanting to eat and reproduce. So... I don't know how you can really go there that a shark's got a personal vendetta, not even against an individual, but a whole family. It's a, whole, <laughs> it's a Brody clan. It's going to go all the way to the Bahamas to fulfill this destiny of evil. So I just think that the concept of it is so crazy that I kind of love that it exists. However, this movie's dog shit. It's terrible. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's really bad. Uh, there's a couple of scenes that I enjoy, but yeah, I mean, if it wasn't only an hour and a half, like the other Jaws movies are all about two hours. So mm-hmm. the fact that this is mercifully an hour and a half. This one feels like two hours, though. Out of, it the does. The other ones fly by, but I like Lance Guest. Lance Guest yeah. is great. I like him a lot. He's the last Starfighter, right? Or is that another guy? Yeah. That's him. He's the last Starfighter and he's in Halloween 2. That's right. That's right, he is. He should have been a bigger deal. Yeah. He's a likable presence. He sort of disappears after the 80s. He's super likable. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I, I think he's great. I was happy to remember that he was in Jaws the Revenge. So um, this movie was a $20 million movie that only made $20 million in the U.S. And its opening weekend was only $7 million. So it was a bomb and it killed the franchise dead in the water, pun intended. Do we need to discuss why? It's terrible. That's why. (laughs) There was no juice left in this franchise. And I mean, it is kind of weird, though, that they've never even attempted to reboot Jaws. Why don't we just talk about that? There's no reason to talk about why it failed. It's a bad movie. And the Jaws movies were just getting worse and worse and worse and becoming a joke. So much to the fact that even Back to the Future made jokes about there being Jaws sequels. So it's because it's a bad movie. But... Why have they not tried to reboot Jaws, Troy? They made a ton of um, other shark movies. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't really, you don't want to just call a movie Jaws because it's just going to be about a shark. You might, you know, there's been a whole genre that has just been shark attacks. Actually, a genre I love, which is shark attack movies. So we've gone and seen many of those films. Like, um, what is it? Open 47? water. Open water, 47 meters down. Um, what was the, the other reef. one? The reef. Was that the one with Blake Lively? Is that the reef? No, that, that, that's the shallows. The shallows. Deep blue sea. Deep blue sea. Meg. Meg. Yeah. And it's gone <laughs> off, the, you know, and then you get your Sharknados, which is yet another yeah. genre coming out of that genre. True. I think that it has to do with people not wanting to anger Steven Spielberg because there's no reason why you couldn't just throw Jaws on one of those movies just to get that sort of brand name recognition. And you can't tell me that Hollywood is not obsessed with that. They're so obsessed with just trying to milk some kind of name brand recognition out of things. So why not just call The Shallows Jaws or whatever? I mean, why not just throw it on on a shark movie? Well, there is Cruel Jaws. Right, there is Cruel Jaws. The unofficial Jaws 5. That's right. So somebody did it. To answer your question, somebody did just throw Jaws on a shark attack movie. They sure did. An Italian film company, which are famous for doing that. I mean, this is the same sort of film company that made unofficial Dawn of the Dead sequels and whatever. So... Yeah, they had the balls to do it. They had the balls to call a movie Cruel Jaws. Cruel Jaws. (laughs) I've only seen it once before, and it was when Seb and Josh's Friday Night Frights were having the fifth, wasn't it the fifth anniversary of Friday Night Frights? So we had like an all-night marathon of part fives. Oh, wow. And that was one of them. And Cruel yeah. Jaws was in oh, there, awesome. and and I at that point I was so like delirious and sleep yeah. deprived, like it's it's again like going feeling like it's a fever dream, of what I yeah. was seeing, like in and out of like sleep wake state. It was bananas. I remember enjoying it for what it was. That's pretty amazing that you 
you took the unofficial part five and included it in your part five show. <laughs> they tried to like tie it into like the story that Quint says about the wreck of that ship during the World War Two or whatever. Yeah. Right? Okay. yeah. So, so there's elem- There's a little bit of Jaws elements in it. Yes, and they actually stole the footage, the live shark footage from Jaws and use it. That's why it can't get a real official release. Although I think Arrow Video actually put yeah, it out. Yeah, they just put so. it out on Blu-ray. Yeah. But they actually just stole not the footage of Bruce, but of like, you know how there's like, they did actual photography yeah. of sharks and they just stole that and put it in there. So Hmm. But it, I remember it being fun for what it is, for, for being an Italian knockoff. I'll see it at some point. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to go clear a pylon out of the bay and uh, get on a banana boat and ram a mast right into a shark. <laughs> <laughs> That about does it today for Tentpole Trauma. If you like what you heard, check out our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look for Tentpole Trauma. That was easy, wasn't it? If you like us, hit subscribe and leave us a sterling review on iTunes, if you dare. If you really like us, head over to Patreon.com and get involved in one of our fabulous tiers. You'll be glad you did. Want to communicate with Tentpole Trauma? Send an email to tentpoletrauma at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And who knows, one day you may even get your email read on one of our shows. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you real soon. Real soon.